welcome to episode 676 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today? I'm feeling great. Everything is coming up negative the way I like it. Mm-hmm. Feeling good, feeling fine, uh, getting ready. Uh, I was almost going to say for the weekend, but Wednesdays are my weekend, right? That's when I go pick up my comics and I leave the house. Yep, yep. Everything's coming up, Joe. Mm, that's better than anything else that could be coming up, you know? That's true. That's true. Yes. Um, so, hey, what do we got on the show this week, Todd? We we have another slender read of news, but <clears throat> we do have one story, and that's a follow-up to the Bill Willingham news from last week. And I think it's a bit of a doozy, Joe. Um, the return of everybody's favorite segment, the Rob Watch um, conventions. What we read last week, which was both Batman and Robin number one and Daredevil number one. And to surprise Joe, I read Daredevil number one. Oh, look at you. Yeah, me taking extra work on um, mm-hmm. uh, what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues where we're rereading the entire uh, run of Sandman. And this episode, it is Sandman 69, which is the end of The Kindly Ones, and the beginning of The Wake, which is 70. And I think The Wake is is, is a good term. I think everything's going to turn out okay because everybody's waking up. That's all it can be. That's right. Uh, Yep, yep, it's going to be A-OK. And at the end, uh, a super long uh, spoiler-filled talk of Ahsoka, I believe. Yes, yes. And uh, if anything else comes up that you forgot to mention, I'll make sure to bring it up. Okay. All right. So uh, we talked about it last week, of course, as it was going on live. I tweeted at uh, Bill Willingham, and he did not reply to me. Sad, whatever. Um, Not that it matters, because he said that he was going to release some sort of press release for the 15th, which was uh, Friday. And apparently he sent it out to a bunch of outlets, and they all leaked it early. (laughs) So he's like, all right, well, I guess it's out there. So here we go. You know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Bill Willingham has declared that Fables is now public domain, okay? Right. What that essentially means, according to him, is you and I, let's just, we're going to say, for example, you and I, okay? Mm -hmm. We cannot go and take already existing printed Fables stories and print them ourselves, but we could take those iterations of the characters that he did in Fables of the Big Bad Wolf as Big B Wolf and the look and the he's a detective and everything else like that. And Snow White and Cinderella is like a James Bond style agent and those sort of things like the, right. the, the ways that he crafted those characters. But if we wanted to write brand new stories of those characters, then we certainly can do so since he is publicly declared that uh those characters now are public domain. Right. Now, this is also keeping in mind that he turned in 12 scripts of a current Fable storyline that to date DC has only printed six of. So there's still six more issues that are out there that he has no idea, and he has said, I don't care if they ever come out because I've already been paid for them. Right. So I guess that's part one of this. I guess what are your thoughts and your feelings and so forth in regards to that? That, well, okay, because I guess 
they kind of co-shared DC and him, like the ownership and stuff. Yes. So this basically, like he had discussed that he wasn't happy with the way he was treated, everything that was going on. And this, this a ramification was going to come of it. And this is a power move, Joe, but to basically like just do this. So anybody can do future stories. You, you know, DC isn't going to be like, Oh, let's publish those fable stories. Like and reprint them and all, but it's it's I don't know that it had to get super bad to get to this point to cut your own throat like that. Wow. So DC Warners in a rare move put out a press release that said the fables, comic books and graphic novels published by DC the storylines, characters and elements therein are owned by DC and protected under copyright law of the United States and throughout the world in accordance with applicable law and are not in the public domain. DC but, reserves the right and will take such action as DC deems necessary or appropriate to protect its intellectual property rights. But Bill said well, that they're public domain. And I believe Bill, he's got law under he's like he's not he's not, you know, a bird lawyer, but he's pretty good maybe. I don't know. Just it's it's crazy. I I don't I don't know where this is gonna go. And even if Bill is right, say Bill is right, DC has the lawyer machine behind them that they'll just crush you with legal fees, even if you're in the right. So Bill Willingham replies to this and says, I told you that DC thinks they own fables, and this inexpertly composed statement from them admits it. <sighs> so I have a feeling, and, like, there's all these other things that, like, he's, you know, and all the other discussions about it, he's like, well, uh, you know, when I first brought Fables to DC and it was under the helm of Dan DiDio and someone else, uh, great people that I enjoyed working with, and now it's run by a bunch of yahoos that I would never want to deal with and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um... I feel as though what's going to happen with this is, is I don't think anyone at a publisher is going to publish anything based on the exactness of the Bill Willingham DC fables. Right. I could see some people doing like their own self-published things, which again, depending on how and where you do that, like you can't, I don't think people are going to be able to do a Kickstarter to get their fables, um, you know, public domain book off the ground, but I think if you want to privately fund it yourself and do it, go for it, right? Right. Uh, I don't think DC will bother with you or even know that you're doing it unless you decide to rub it in their face. Um, but I could definitely see the rest of Fables that is at DC not coming out. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> and I could also see if Bill Willingham starts to encourage people um to do this or boost the signal of people that are attempting to do this or possibly get into business with people who are attempting to publish new stuff outside of the DC auspices i could see DC possibly taking um you know some legal recourse yeah yeah there you go there you i go. don't see possibly happening joe yeah i see like i said cuz none of us are lawyers here uh, I, I I see whether 
Bill is in the right or DC's in the right or like both are kind of or both are neither. Doesn't matter. DC is going to Warner Brothers is going to try and stop you regardless. There an action will happen. Whether it holds up or not is another story because that's not our purview, but definitely. Now, I guess something else came up in with this as well, the company Telltale Games. Um I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah, they did The Walking Dead. They did Batman games. They yeah, did... so they did a Fables one too, right? Mm-hmm. And it was actually, you know, it's in that same vein of those games. And that that game publisher went through some financial straits, um, you know, during the pandemic. Of course, a lot of folks did, and apparently, part of their financial state uh, uh, states were due to lack of payment from DC Warner Brothers. In regards to what was agreed upon for, you know, them doing the game. Right. So that, like, adds a whole new wrinkle to everything, because I guess the people who brokered the deal at Telltale Games are now getting in with Bill Willingham, saying, like, you know, while Bill gave you a product and you paid him, we gave you a product, or you gave us a product, we made a game, and we weren't paid in full for it, you know? Yep. Uh, so again, I'm just sad that the Fables book is going to end this way. Um, Bill Willingham seems to think, uh, that this has somehow raised the awareness and I guess Q rating of Fables as he quotes seven to eight billion fold. Right. Um, But I think he might be wrong. We'll see. But Joe, do you know who I think could pull off doing, uh, Fable stories? is a certain guy who would do Big B with a big, big, Big B chest. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. No better way to lean into it than right there. Uh, It is the return of the Rob Watch, and we're talking about people leaning into things. It was announced over the weekend... And the Rob even addressed it on his podcast this week. I haven't listened to it yet. It's in the queue. Um, But the Rob, I guess, is back working with whatnot again. So I'm glad that bridge has been mended. Now, was it definite? Because when I read the article, people were saying they thought it would be through whatnot. Um, And again, I didn't listen to the the Rob's podcast this um, week. This week, but it looks like it's going to be at least a it's going to be a New York Comic Con exclusive. Right. Cover of the new Captain America book that comes out this week from J. Michael Straczynski. And it's the Rob doing a Sam Wilson Captain America homage of his infamous drawing of Captain America. It's so famous. It's infamous. Oh, it's infamous. And if you don't know the story behind it, it was never a cover it was never a, an intended promotional image for the Heroes Reborn stuff right. that the Rob and Jim Lee did when they were working at Image and came back to Marvel when Marvel was on the downswing. It was according to the Rob, and I have no reason not to believe the Rob, mm-hmm. that it was a mock-up of what was supposed to be a inflatable or float that was going to be at a comic book convention 
of Captain America, which is why it's like an exaggerated proportion and uh, leaning a certain way. It was never supposed to be anything published, but it got shuffled in with all of the other heroes reborn. Artwork. Uh, um, uh, mer- uh, like promotional materials, and when it got sent out to people like Wizard, who always had it in for the Rob, they Definitely. purposely chose that image as an example of what the new book was going to look like out of context. And again, you'll see that that image never was printed anywhere. It was never a cover. It was never a variant. The only place that it was printed was in promotional materials against the Rob's wishes. Now, I don't recall the Rob saying this story at the time that went out, uh, but I, you know, that was, you know, 27 years ago. My mind's hazy, you know? Yeah, not revisionist history in any way, shape, or form. Right, Um, but I will say it is um, a a little bit more proportioned uh, version of Sam Wilson, Captain America, for that cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the Rob has debunked whether or not it's whatnot or not, but I don't think the Rob has said that he's going to be at New York this year. I don't know. I, maybe he will be. He shows up. If they give, if he wants to go, they'll give him a table. Or he'll show up with, um, he likes to crash, and you know they'll invite him the uh, CGC table. Yeah, he did just do a CGC deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to look here. He hasn't put anything out saying if it's what not related or not. Right. That's what I'm saying, because I don't believe it will be. Mm-hmm. I think he, because Rob said he's done with whatnot. And has Rob ever said anything? And then went, went you know, he, he contradictory to that? Never. To, I was going to say today? No. Right. Right. So I'm looking I'm looking now. Right. To see if there's anything out there that's updated in regards to the Rob. Because sometimes he gets a little um <clears throat> messy in his comments on Facebook in regards to these sort of things, you know? Sometimes when you have those bursts of energy, Joe. Right. They come out of nowhere. Okay. Uh Okay. Combing through, huh? Somebody says, I'm glad you're able to poke fun at yourself. And the Rob replies, I'm not. I'm producing success and celebrating it. You're (laughs) making it something else, not me. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Takes takes it better than any person on the planet, Joe. Um, But, again, no discussion of where at New York it's going to be. Uh, but I did, will I will do a follow up between now and New York if it's not out there. If I have mm-hmm. to bite the bullet and listen, bump the Rob's thing to the top. <laughs> That's the first time the word the Rob and bump were ever in the same sentence. Today, today, yes. yes. Um, maybe not ever. But again, the Rob up to his uh, chicanery. He's energized by the success of the new Deadpool book, and I say uh, kudos to you, the Rob. Kudos. Um, but one of the conventions happening this weekend, you will not be able to get this uh, exclusive cover. But there are, uh, it is a busy convention weekend, so everyone be safe out there, of course. Um, we have a ton of stuff going on all over the United States. Uh, we have Memphis Comics Expo, which is, uh, you know, one of the uh, 
fan expo deals, I think. No. So this is the other thing. So it gets confusing because everyone stopped using Comic-Con. And then right. everyone start using Expo, and this is not an official like fan Expo convention, but it's got a you know it's a straight up comic book convention. It's got a great guest list: uh, Kevin Eastman, Garth Ennis, Alan Davis, Chris Bacallo, Scott Collins, Kyle Starks. Go say hi to Kyle. Go say hi to Kyle Starks. Uh, f- squeeze some information out of him about the uh, Boom Crime book that he's got coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if there was anyone that I'd be going to, uh, I would begrudgingly say that one. Uh, but I can't complain about Rose City Comic Con as well. I think that's Seattle, right? Portland. Right. Portland. Um, Aaron Lepresti, Adam Hughes, Art Adams, uh, Glenn Fabry, Greg Rucka, Jeff Parker, a lot of the folks that live up in that new, uh, Northwest area, Steve Lieber, and. Uh, on the media guest side, Zoe Saldana and Rebecca Romijan are going to be there. Right. Uh, if you run into them, if her, Jerry O'Connell might be there, and he might take a selfie with you, Joe. That's why I brought it up. Because if Rebecca Romijan is going to be there, there's a very good chance that Jerry O'Connell will be there, who is his sweetheart. Yes, he is. And he does teach you how to take a good selfie. He's a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati Comic Expo, again, another one using Expo, but not part of the Fan Expo world, right? Right, I think there's uh, going to be a lawsuit on that someday, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> uh, Jim Lee is going to be there, Carrie Nord, Tony Harris, and a good chunk of the Aya oh yeah, Comics crew, Scoot McMahon, Art Balthazar, and Franco are going to be there. Uh, and then last be not, lastly, but not leastly, is Fan X, not Expo, just Fan X. In Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, James O'Barr, Clayton Crane, Larry Hama, Mark Bagley, Jim Starlin. And then on the media guest side, uh, <laughs> we got John Glover, we got Joel McHale, we got Tony Danza, we got Pauly Shore. Something for everybody. <laughs> That's right. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. You know, Pauly Shore has been taking to doing uh, TikTok stand-up videos with canned laughter over it? No. That sounds fantastic. I was I gonna say I was gonna say sad, but fantastic's another word you could say as well. I would some I would if I was going to the show, I would cosplay as a slushy machine so I could take a picture of him with him wheezing the juice, Joe. Ah yes. Oh, well, we have the links to all of those conventions. If you're in any of those locations, be sure to check them out, uh, along with information about Soon To Be Named Network at SoonToBeNamedNetwork.com, SoonToBeNamedNetwork.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the Soon To Be Named Network go live, sure, you can find them at their own individual websites. Sure, you can find them on the podcatcher of your choice, but you can find them all in one spot, and that spot is SoonToBeNamedNetwork.com. And those shows include, of course, this show that you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hayabusa, and um, my fingers are a little less crossed, but no chance in helmet? I like the way you say that, Joe. All right. Uh but also uh, check out some of our other friends and the stuff that they're doing in and around the internet. I'm going to try to get through this without messing up like I did last week. Uh, we have uh, Mike Sterling's blog at Progressive Rune. 
com. We have our friend Kevin's blog at masklibrary.com. We have Rick Williams, the chop shop at free karate chops dot store dot com. He's got those cool sci fi fantasy wrestling inspired resin glow in the dark sort of things. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter is still available a la carte over on his Indiegogo. You can check that out linked up here. You can go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters self-published comic at his site fortressofcomicnews.com and you can also check out his podcast there as well our friend Dave of the band Cave People and artist Rose Sovia put out their own self-published book as well that you can find at keepercomic.bigcartel.com and if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area let our comic book store your comic book store, Comics on the Green. I have the Facebook linked up there. That's where Dave and the crew do most of their social mediaing. When the new books have arrived on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, when the new stuff is being solicited to get on those books, new covers, new collections, final order cutoff dates, you can find it all there. You can sign up for their mail order subscription service, get stuff mailed to you weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, bi-weekly, daily. You want to get stuff sent to you daily, I'm sure they'll do it for you. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. And you can maybe even ask her for some low-end comic gossip to write on the inside of the package. But you can also check out her social media, which is linked up in the show notes here as well. Right. So, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with uh, the book I was looking forward to most, which is Batman and Robin, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Simone DeMeo. Uh, this is about uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, obviously, and Damien as Robin. Uh, and they're out, you know, on patrol, and they run into the White Rabbit, one of, uh, you know, Batman's superior rogues gallery. And mm-hmm. I do like that they, that it's one of those things where, Robin is very smug about what he does, and Batman tells him, like, we have to be careful and all this. But it's pretty easy pickings on uh, fighting the White Rabbit. Uh, and then we get to see some of their home life, which is really cool in the fact that the uh, the artist, who is also the colorist, has their, their home life colored completely different, which keeps it, in my mind, like the heroing and the home life separate. And I like that Bruce is, you know, trying to make bring up appearances and, and they're at the brownstone because they're not at the mansion anymore. And he's talking to Damien, who's aloof. And he and Bruce is kind of like, man, how did how did uh, Alfred do all this? And he ends up talking to him. He's like, I do believe that you're missing uh, part of growing up, which is being in school. And he's going to send him to school. And. Damien immediately thinks like, oh, like, well, I have like seven or eight undercover aliases. I could go to whatever problem we're having. He's like, no, you're just going to school. And the home life I find almost more fascinating than the hero life. And there's a whole bit with tea that Alfred showed him how to do tea that I thought was actually kind of nice. But back to the the heroing that maybe the White Rabbit's uh, plot was – something else and Robin puts together some pieces and Batman too, that it was for something with DNA and this new, uh, this old group of uh, Batman villains shows up with some new members and maybe things aren't what they seem with their DNA and everything. And I find that uh, interesting and Robin's got a new vehicle and I'm down with it. I thought this book had a lot of heart. And even though I was never a big Grant Morrison guy, I do like a lot of his creations when they're done right. 
and I'm a sucker for Batman and Damien. Uh, I really enjoyed this book. Strangely enough, if given a choice of a Batman and Damien, I really liked Grant Morrison's Dick Grayson Batman and Damien. That was the better one, I believe. You know, at right. the time. Um, my biggest worry about this book debuting was the fact that it's debuting in the middle of a giant Batman crossover. Right. And they just, like, are they going to mention it? Are they not going to mention it? Are they going to give us something that says this takes place before, during, or after? And we get one line of how it's being handled, and I thought that was handled perfectly. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it does. You don't need to have too much information. It's just like, oh, with everything that's going on with Catwoman, wink. We have to do this too, right? And that was enough. I'm like, perfect. I loved mm-hmm. it. Right? Yep. Now, I liked this book. I didn't love this book. It's light. It's fluffy. It's easily digestible. If you're looking for a Batman book that's not bogged down by a bunch of stuff, then this is probably the book for you. Um, I like the choice of the villains that the White Rabbit assembled as part of her little crew. My biggest issue with this issue is the art. And it's not that it's not nice art. I really like the art. But it feels as though this is art for a young person. If that makes any sense. Okay, I, 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 it doesn't, but go ahead. It does, my, I look at this art... And this art very much feels like something that you would see in a manga. It's big. It's, you know, bold. Um, I I get what you're saying where the coloring is different for the action sequences, the at-home sequences, which is something that they do in manga. And again, there's a lot of manga that's out there in black and white, but the manga that's in color, this is stuff that they do with it, which is fine. And I'm okay with them putting out a Batman book that kind of looks and feels like the type of comic book that a lot of people read that may not read Batman. Right. Um, And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with them doing a light bat book that appeals to people who don't normally read bat books like you and you and I, I will say this when Joshua Williamson was doing the Robin ongoing, uh, which I read for a little bit, he established firmly that Robin is a Damien now is a huge manga fan. Like, he collects manga. Okay. So, and he's telling a story in this, which is like a Damien detective story. So, I'm wondering if that's all going to weave its way in. I didn't really notice it because I, I never read a lot of manga. So, I was just seeing it as, you know, two different colored stories. Uh, two yeah. very different things. But I didn't notice it as, like, manga tropes uh, in the art. I I missed all that. I'll take your word for it, though. Right. And again, I'm not saying that it's like so over the top that it's like unreadable or unpenetrable by some like by someone like me. But I definitely noticed I'm like, okay, they're going a different route with this. Like there's a definitive reason that these type of things are chosen. And I'm all for it. The more people that are reading comic books, the better. Fair enough. It's just, you know, wasn't my, uh, you know. It wasn't your cup of well-brewed tea? Sure. There you go. Uh, So the other book that we both read from this past week was Daredevil Number 1, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Aaron Cooter. Um, So we pick up with this story that Matt Murdock is just back. Okay. 
at the end of Chip Zdarsky's run, after everything that he did, as he and Elektra were part of the hand, and all the people that died, Matt Murdock ventured into hell, gave himself up to let all those people come back. Well, the end of Chip Zdarsky's run, it certainly looked like Matt was back, and it certainly felt like Matt was back, but he certainly didn't remember ever being Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. So he is working um, at uh, St. Nick's home for wayward children or whatever, he and another priest. Um, they have kids that should be in the foster system and they're kind of more special cases. And the only reason that they're being kept afloat is because of a mysterious benefactor, which again, you know, we end up finding out that it's Electra, you know, which is no surprise. And Electra is watching all of this from afar, but then things take a turn for Electra. And to do so to help Electra. Matt has to kind of face his past and kind of itch that back part of his brain that he's not really sure what that is that's telling him to go out into the night and go figure out what this is. And I'll say this, Aaron Cooter, not a great artist when it comes to people sitting around talking, right? Aaron Cooter, an amazing artist, when you're talking about fights and people possessed by demons. Um, I'll disagree with half of that. Okay. Um, I'm a big Aaron Cooter fan. Okay. So I even like the sitting around. I thought a lot of it was great. But the bit where Electra is possessed. Yes. The way he does it is different and completely unnerving, Joe. I loved it. Oh, in a, I'm saying this in a good way. Yeah. Like the bit with the, with the giant head and the body, I like the, I don't want to explain too much, but you get what I'm talking about is absolutely fantastic. And that will, that's a visual that will almost always stick with me from now on. Yes. Um, uh, that being said, his version of the Electra in the Daredevil costume blew me away. And I don't know if you have your copy there, but there's a bit where we first see her and she's standing on the building with the stars in the background. Yes. I, I get a heavy Kevin Maguire vibe from that one panel. Oh, okay. But I really like that. But that may be my favorite Daredevil costume of all time on her. Like that is sweet. I love it. And then in the end, I think, um, and I don't want to give up too much of a ghost, but I do believe that uh, Matt, through the series of events, is going to have to fight, I believe, the seven deadly sins altogether. I believe this one is Sloth, and we're going to go through all seven. Because this one keeps saying, like, oh, like this and that. He goes, oh, I messed up with this. Well, that's just me being lazy. That's ironic. And I'm like, oh, he's sloth. They don't say it. But I'm guessing that's who it is, if that makes any sense. Yes. So I, I would – I feel, especially as a new reader, I didn't le read the end. This was very easy jumping on point because they give you all the bits. And the thing I kind of like the most is him in the at, – at the home for the kids – 
that's a lot of like like interesting stuff. But that being said, I'm a Mark Wade Daredevil guy, so this has like that angst and stuff that you know that that's classic Daredevil. So not for me. I enjoyed this issue, but it's not enough to keep me going. If it was Mark Wade's Daredevil, the creator of Daredevil, I would have been all over this. I'm uh, I'm sticking with it. You know. Yeah, but you're the Daredevil guy on the show, so I am the Daredevil guy on the show. Um, I thought it was a, a an interesting take, an interesting angle, and leaning a little bit more into kind of wrapping up and extrapolating more on what Chip did at the end of the run. Um, mm-hmm. I like your thought, your idea there of what's going to happen um, with what Matt is going to have to battle during all of this. Right. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, comes up next from this. I'll be sticking with it, you know? Yep. Uh, so, again... That's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead with only one correct guess. Yes, I'm surging. Um, I'm looking over your list because I go first. And is the book you're looking forward to most? The end of the storyline, Saga 66? It is Saga 66. Um, Two months late. (laughs) Um, Probably not going to get another new issue of Saga after this until January. At least. At least, um, but I'm ready for it. So the book you're most looking forward to this week, I think it would be easy to say Saga, but I'm not gonna. A lot of books are coming back. I know we had gone back and forth with some books, maybe being available, not being available, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm going to say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Captain America number one. You are correct, Joe. Yeah, baby. Let's go. Let's keep that uh, Let's keep that one uh, advantage point there, huh? Right, that buffer. I will say, I'm, I'm really looking, I love a Captain America book. Coming off uh, our Patreon, I'm hoping a certain group of villains shows up, Joe. Oh my goodness, here we go. But I will say, I'm a sucker for Captain America. And uh, Jesus Saez... Uh, I loved his art a long time. He did that Punisher 12 up issue run recently. Um, I think he does a sweet cap. I love the, the main cover. Uh, I'm kind of all in on this Captain America one. And I hope it's good, Joe. Straczynski's got a good track record. He does. He does. Now, if he'll finish his run, that's a whole nother story. Right. Let's, let's get issue one in our hands and let's figure it out from there. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, this is, this is one that, uh, I'm, I'm much looking forward to as well. You know, he, like yep. I said, Straczynski's got a good track record. I liked a lot of the stuff that he's done, uh, superhero wise when it comes out, you know? Yeah. And I would, like, I do love saga, man, but that two month hiatus, you know, especially after a long, 
you know, how long was it between, you know, when they went away for a while and it's like, we're already late, you know, or again, it yeah. just puts a bad taste in my mouth for a book that I normally love. Right. Um, and then you said at least January to get it again. I'm like, okay, I feel like a certain classic run of comics that we may be reading. Like when that happened at the end, it's, it, it was the same way, but either way. I get you. I do. Um, so I guess, uh, okay, so that takes care of that. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and of course the current ongoing Todd and Joe have issues as we are going through the entire run of Neil Gaiman's Sandman from beginning to end, not just the 75 issues. We're hitting the miniseries, we're hitting the one-shots, we're hitting the short stories, we're hitting it all. And we're almost mm -hmm. at the end of the main series. Because we're going to be talking about issues 69 and 70 this week. Right. And this is the part of the show where I turn things over to Todd and I just get to say yeah a bunch of times. Yep. So issue 69, the end of The Kindly Ones, part 13, written by Neil Gaiman, art by Mark Hempel. Uh, San last we saw, Sandman told Matthew to send death to him. So this is it. He's sitting there and she shows up and I like that she's... she's uh, been worried about him and he's he talks about the last time they had a conversation you threw a loaf of bread at me a la you know sandman ate that great classical issue so he he uh he makes some and then she's like do you want me to make pigeons because you know that was from the issue and they end up having a conversation and he's like i you were gonna shout me he's like it's much too late for that and it's just like he's so tired so so tired um while that's going on, uh, Matthew goes into the throne room and the Corinthian ends up throwing his Swiss army knife at him and just misses him and hits like this creature. And we find out with the dreaming falling apart, Lucian saying that the things that Morpheus has, you know, locked away are getting out and uh, they attack Lucian and the boy, Daniel. Um, but luckily the stuff in the chest is still good. I like that they mention uh, the, the, the chest and they're like, well, where's Morpheus? And, you know, Matthew says he's in the realm of nightmare on the edge of realm of nightmares and we get back and it's, you know, death, just death, just talking to Sam and like saying about how devious he is um, and straightforward. And, and she's like talking about how he won't even admit it to himself, how devious this is and like how he's been down and he can come back from that. And um, but you're in this mess because it's how you wanted to be. And you have personally, you know, with the responsibility you're always talking about, but now you're taking personal responsibility. And he's like, this wasn't my plan. He says, like, I had everything under control and I was going to wait out the Furies, but then Nuala called me to fairy with the, with their necklace. And immediately death goes off. Like, don't blame her. This is not her fault. Like, don't you lay this on her. And he's like, no, you're right. You know, it has to do with me. And he talks about, you know, killing his son and being trapped and she's like, destruction just left. You, you, you could have did that. You could have followed in his footsteps. And he goes, no, I couldn't. She's like, no, no, you couldn't. Like we both, this has been established over 69 issues that that's not his way. Um, so now people are starting to feel the, the, the repercussions like Lida's, you know, going crazy. Uh, uh, delirium's like still looking for her doggy. Uh, Nuala's trying to rush 
out of fairy, get away from fairy, heading towards the portal. Loki's laughing because he feels what's coming, and um, I, I like the I like the bit in there with Loki, of course, with his punishment, mm-hmm. how that all goes, and it says, and in a moment of pain, he gains a certain clarity. The ma- master manipulator realizes how ultimately, how strangely, how elegantly he too had been manipulated. Perhaps the sound he makes is laughter. Oh. Um, Yep. So the ravens are ready to strike because they're, you know, they're uh, they're in the dreaming, like waiting for the dead, whatever. They're they're flapping their wings expectantly, and then two death and Sa- and Morpheus come the, the the furies, and they're like, "We're ripping your world apart. Can you feel it?" And he's like, "Yep, yeah, I can." And that's when uh, death says, "Enough. Like leave them, leave me and my brother. This is between us." And they ain't going to fight with her. Well, they- okay, I just want to interrupt. So, obviously, we've talked so many times in the past about their word balloons, their dialogue boxes. We see them, right? Mm-hmm. They're bold. They're big. They have red around them, right? Yep. And when they're there posturing and death chastises them, their box is now much smaller. <laughs> and they say, we're merely performing our function, lady, because they know. Yeah as big and as boisterous and as bold and as everything that they could do, they can't step to death. Mm -hmm. So they leave them alone. And and she's like, what am I going to do with you? And he's like, they're destroying the the dreaming. What else can I do? I've made all the preparations necessary. She says, you've been making them for ages. You just didn't let yourself know what you were doing. And he's like, if you say so, like, cause he never, anytime anybody throws it in his face about what he does or how he is, he does not take it. And she's like, dream, give me your hand. And she touches him and there's a flash and he's gone. And the only thing I thought they might do when I read this for the third, first time was say like the sound of the wings, you know what I mean? But they, I didn't do it, but I think the wordlessness is, is a bit better. Um, it's just, it's just a finale. Um, so we cut to fairy and, uh, the queen comes to New Orleans, sees her leaving is like, starts chastising. He's like, I could have you, you know, whatever for doing what you're doing. And she's like, do whatever you do. I won't stay here a minute more. And that's when like the, the universe goes wacky and he says, Claire can, you were right. Um, and he's like, I, I wish I was wrong. And she says, go, go where you go. I care not. Uh, and she's crying, uh, Delirium finally finds uh, Barbara uh, Barnabas, and it's a nice touching moment. And been gone for two weeks, and the old man who found her, she ends up offering him, you know, a favor. He's like, "No." Well, I I just want to, so you know, I want to just kind of throw in there, of course. So Barnabas, the talking dog, no problem. He mentions a bunch of places where she was probably looking for him, like Patagonia, Mars, and the Emerald City, and so forth, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as mentioned, Delirium attempts to offer the old man who kept guard of Barnabas for a while, um, offers him some sort of reward or whatever it is, and he says, I know you, Missy, I think I do, I'm kind of yours anyway, ain't I? Mm -hmm. And she says, kind of. And again, I'd speculated in previous, uh, episodes of this, that maybe he was one of the old people um, like hobgalding that have been around forever and ever and ever, but uh, it would seem as though no, he's just a regular run-of-the-mill um, person who's uh, you know no longer mentally well. Has a touch of the delirium. There you go. 
So she ends up like, oh, it's good to see you again, Barnabas. And she's like, do you remember my brother? Uh, and because I have bad feelings in my socks. He's like, yeah, I remember him. He's like, he's gone. He's not in my mind anymore. She's like, well, I'm sure he's fine. He's like, no, I don't think so. Um, so with all this going on, we cut to Lux and, and Lucifer's kind of like, you know, t- thinking about all this stuff about falling and, and you know, what kind of was it worth it? What's going on? Whether he's going to be right or wrong in the end. And he's just kind of tired of the, the business. So he's going to go out into the world. And uh, Mezzikeen is like, well, where are you going to go? And he's just probably like everywhere. I don't know. And she's going to follow him. And he says, if you must. So, and then that would kind of lead into the, from here, the Lucifer comic. Right now, I'll just I'll just interject and say I never read it. It was really good. Yeah, it wasn't Sandman, but that first run of Lucifer was absolutely fantastic and was not a crime procedural like the show was. Okay, uh, yeah. So uh, we go to the funeral for Zelda and Rose is there, and Hal shows up, and they kind of, uh, you know, have. You know, they he how kind of apologizes, but I do like that she says, you know, that's the nicest apologize that, that you've ever get anyone's ever made to me being sarcastic. And she goes, just so you know, when you made fun of uh, the sisters dying uh, from not cleaning their works, it wasn't one of them ended up getting uh, a transplant and that person had HIV and that's kind of what did it. And uh, in the end, she ends up there talking and he en- she ends up saying that she's Rose is pregnant. And he's like, oh, well, didn't you try to prevent it? He's like, yeah, things went wrong. Um, and uh, so I kind of find it interesting. It must be the guy that she slept with in, in England. Uh, Correct. An, an interesting uh, you know, subplot going on. Uh, we cut to the place where Alex Burgess is, you know, the old folks home that he's in. The nurse is, is, is sleeping and she has a nightmare and wakes up and she ends up finding out that uh Burgess has is awake and he's like, Oh, where's Paul? You know, uh after five years of sleeping, he 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 can't know what's going on. She's like, it's only a dream. You know, nothing can hurt you now. You were you, you were asleep for a while. Cut to Thessaly and uh Hippolyta Lida and she basically out like zoned out. She's like, what happened? He's like, well, I'm just going to tell you this. You were looking for Daniel, but what you did, you made sure you will never see Daniel again. And I do like this because we didn't mention in the last issue, but she kind of, when everything was going south, the deal she made uh, to get extra life, she felt bad because she actually did maybe sort of still have feelings for Morpheus. And she says, <laughs> I take a shower, then I'd start running if I were you. Lots of people are going to want to hurt you or kill you for what you've done. She takes that beat, which is a great bit in the art, and she goes, including me. And you're like, ooh, you don't want Thessaly on your bad side. <laughs> and the book that she's reading, uh, I'm not sure if that's a real book or not, but when real things happen to imaginary people. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so now we cut to the you know Dream's Castle, and there's Daniel sitting in the throne room playing with the emerald that uh, Morpheus gave him and he starts to change. His hand turns whiter and he gets bigger and he ends up putting it on as a necklace. Yeah, and he gets bigger and the emerald gets smaller. Yep. And he ends up being from that scene way back uh, you know, in whatever issue it was that we get the foreshadow and Corinthians says, Daniel, and he's like, nope, no longer, not any longer. And he's 
the new version of Dream, maybe? That's apparently what we're getting. And we cut to the Furies, now the Fates, discussing, like, you know, what they made. You know, it's kind of kind of a thing, like, rest for the wicked. And they end up getting the, the fortune cookie, uh, which kind of was in the beginning in the middle. And they open it up, and it says, flowers gathered in the morning, afternoon they blossom on, still are withered by the evening. You can be me when I'm gone. Which that last line, you can be me when I'm gone, is a great like way to describe kind of what's going on with Morpheus and Daniel. And, uh, you know, they're discussing it like for better or worse, for good or bad, it is done. And they end up, like you know, doing more string, the silver lining, the, the lifeline. And like she says, for good or bad, it's done. We're pretty much at the end of Morpheus's story. Right. So this is the end of the kindly ones. Um, you know, I know um, listener, friend of the show, Mark Cole mentioned about the delays that this book had. We talked about before with delays with say it, uh, Saga. Um, you know, this was the story that I first read as it was coming out. And I didn't pull the numbers, but I do remember this book being very late. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was many months, it was two months in between issues for a good chunk of things, right? Right. Um, and again, obviously, it was a different time where, you know, you have no re- you have no knowledge as to why a book is coming out late. And Sandman, by this point, is the juggernaut of whatever the Vertigo line is at that time. You can go listen to uh, Previewing the Past over the Patreon to find out what is going on there. Uh, but obviously, the comic industry is changing and going through a lot of stuff. And it's not like you were getting notifications back then about books being late or whatever it was. You would just show up and hope your favorite book was there for the most part, right? Yeah, maybe Wizard would report something. You know, it's loose uh, speculation. Right, but even still then, you're getting information that's almost like a month or two behind as yep. Wizard is seeing print. Um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the end of The Kindly Ones? Uh it's tough like rereading it like the the kindly ones it's the end it's pretty much the end of morpheus spoiler spoiler alert um but it it's sad but i don't want to get too far ahead but it doesn't hit his home as hard as the wake does like right he's gone but he's not gone yet for me, if that makes any sense. It's too soon, too too early. The wound is too fresh reading it and reading it back then to have any emotion yet. I'm just like, what is Daniel at this point? Right. Because, uh, again, we, 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 we followed Morpheus through this whole this journey mm-hmm. of him being trapped in issue one and escaping from that trap, being locked there for 80 years. And we get to see him change and grow. And ultimately, as a person who cannot change or cannot grow, due to his own doing, ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And now we are introduced to his replacement. And they give us six issues or whatever it is to now accept the new, not named Morpheus, but the new dream, if you will. Um. I will say this, and, you know, whatever your opinions on this, um, they are what they are. I've never been a fan of the Fates, the Furies, the Kindly Ones, whatever you want to call them. The Three Witches. 
Okay. Uh, whenever they show up, I like I like when they show up as like not as the main through line, the main antagonist of the story. I like when they're there to interact with the character and give them essentially we as the reader know that they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we know that all a character has to do is ask them the right questions, the right three questions, and they will tell them what's going on. But because they constantly are in like this double and almost triple speak, because there's three of them, they almost end up being frustrating. Which and, is the point of them. But which is the point of them, but it's because they're so frustrating, I don't like them. Now, are you obviously because I just so I'm on the same page? You're discussing just in Sandman because it's not like you've read a ton of witch no, stories outside. Just in Sandman. Gotcha. Okay. Um. See, I don't think that way because like they show up, they show up briefly, and the only time they really do three questions is they do it with when Sandman shows up and asks where his tools are early on, and then Lyda blows her three questions, and that's it. Um. But otherwise, you know, I they're there so briefly they 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 don't bother me, and I you know other than I knew what they were going to do by the end of the story. Now, not the first time that they're the not the villains so much as the instrument, if that makes any sense. So sure, I have no. They're low down on the on my favorite on any thoughts on characters. They're more they're more the how than than a what to me, if that makes okay. Sense. So. So just just as a side note here, if I can, um, issue sixty six had a January nineteen ninety five cover date. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue sixty seven had a February nineteen ninety five cover date. Issue sixty eight. Oh, hang on. I'm flipping through everything here. Got yeah, take your time. Had a May of nineteen ninety five cover date. So there we got at least three months in between the publishing there. Right. Um, Okay, that was 68. Uh, 69, which we just read, has a July. So now it's two months in between. And then I think they're back on track for 70. So Right, which is probably because two different artists. Yeah. You know, like you were able to, like if you had some of the script done, give it to them and get a head start kind of a deal. Though, getting into 70... If anybody with art is going to go off the rails on a schedule, it might be Michael Zuli. <laughs> because, you know, working our way into 70, and I'll kind of get it out of the way here, the, di- the difference in styles of art have never been as drastic going from the kindly ones to the wake in all of Sandman. Mm-hmm. Two completely different styles. Um, anything more on uh, issue 69 before we get into nope, 70? Nope, that's all I got. Okay, so uh, the first issue of The Wake, written by Neil Gaiman, uh, art by Michael Zuli. Um, so the, all the Endless are getting messages from these uh, creatures, and uh, they, they the family doesn't even ask where the they had come from because you know the Endless are next to gods, are next to God kind of, and they're like they some they don't even question sometimes too deeply where their messages comes from, um, and they all meet up. And uh, Delirium's kind of like, I thought destruction would come. And they're like, I guess not. Um, and uh, Despair's kind of the one who's going to be us through this. Because uh, she, she's like, well, what's going to go on? And they end up telling her, like, this is what happened when you died. 
Um, well, it wasn't you. It was the person before you, kind of like the way Mo- Morpheus is now Daniel. Um, and it, now we find out that they're in the necropolis, which from the, the issues that we read, uh, that world's end, world's end, that it was, you know, they showed the story of when, what happens when an endless dies, uh, when despair died. And they're like, uh, he gives them the warning of going down into the catacombs. They're like, you know, thanks. We, we don't need it. Uh, we don't need your advice. And Despair's like, which of us is going to go? And they're like, none of us can go. We need an envoy. And he's like, well, where do we find one of those? Like, we make one out of mud. And they end up uh, building it. And I like that they all give their each little touch to them. And then they're like, it's your turn. And Death's like, I haven't done this in ages. And she kind of kisses, breathes, breathes life into it. And then I, they say they go ahead. What I just want to throw in page seven on this issue. If you're reading the single issues, and of course it's the beginning of a new trade, new collection, what have you. Um, there's the picture of uh, delirium in the upper right hand corner, um, where she's the one that says we make one. Um, again, obviously, I don't know what the relationship is between a lot of these creators at the time, but I feel as though them working together. Um, delirium there very much looks like Jill Thompson. It, yes. Yes, definitely. No, no doubt about it. As far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, so they're like, we have to make it a name. Um, and they delirium wants to, and they're like, well, you're going to say something's, you know, wacky. So you have to be at a proper name. And I like that. She's <laughs> and the name that people can say. Yep. And her first name is Plippy Ploppy Cheese Nose. And they're like, no, try it again. Now, is it, would you say it's Eblis or Eblis? Uh, Eblis. Eblis. I've never heard that name, so I'm reading it. But I know it's O'Shaughnessy. So that that name I've heard. So they basically, like, uh, Destiny says, you know, uh, you're our envoy, but you can neither dream nor destroy because dream isn't there. And destruction never showed up. So that would be your triumph and your tragedy. Um, we'll go find what we need. And he goes down into the catacombs and gets the 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 cloth and the and the book and everything and he goes out and well that's going on we're back in the in the castle and Kane's you know stomping around um he wants to see uh dream and he says he's going in I need and to then, interrupt go ahead. we get that scene where Kane enters dreams chambers right mm-hmm. and this is a first full shot that we get of Michael Zuli drawing Daniel the new dream and it looks cool man it looks absolutely gorgeous and it kind of like sitting on the throne uh, reminds me because i have a it's a uh, uh what do you call it uh when you the things that hold books together on a shelf you d- don't let me uh struggle on this one um bookends there's uh, bookends of Daniel and Morpheus sitting in the throne and one's holding a red orb and one's holding a, the other and Daniel's holding a green orb. Yep. And I feel like it like the art is taken from a version of Michael Zulian. Every time I see that, it makes me think of my bookends. And so he comes in, he's like, oh, you're Kane. Um, and I feel like they were establishing when Dream created Corinthian. You remember how like he had some of the old memories and he had some of the new memories? I think that was priming the pump for the way Daniel's going to be, mm-hmm. like to get the reader and the thing. He's like, "Oh, so you're Kane?" He's like, "Yes," and he's like, "Well, what are you here?" And he's like, basically goes over the the paperwork that he gave me. He's like, "I want 
my brother back. And he's like, and if you don't do it, I'll be forced to do something. And he's like, this is where the bit of the old dream pops out. He's like, don't presume, uh, you know, something tells me uh, I don't take well to threats uh, yes. or otherwise, nor to an, uh, an excess of unwanted fami- familiarity. And he's like, but I'm sorry. He's like, but I am impressed by your behavior. So like, uh, He's like, come on, please, my brother. No, he says, I'm not impressed by your behavior. Oh, I'm not impressed by your behavior. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, He's like, but it's my brother. He's like, there are others, you know, that are dead. He's like, but my brother, he's like, Abel, describe it for me. And he goes into this weird way of describing when I, and I, and I like it because this is the part, once again, he knows who Cain is and he should know who Abel is, but he doesn't have it down. So he needs him to describe it. And he's like, enough. And he ends up uh, giving him, you know, create him and he's like okay uh he's like thank you lord morpheus he's like not morpheus i have no right to that name i am dreaming of the endless it is enough uh so we cut to matthew and uh eve's cave or eve's cave that matthew lives in and she's like what you know calm down like or why you why don't you go out why are you so sad and he's like i should have stayed with him you know he was my friend and i let him die uh but she's like, there's nothing you could have done. He's like, but I should have stayed anyway. I, I could have died by his side. But, the, you know, and at least I wouldn't be sitting here miserable. Um, and she goes, but, okay, Lord Dream of the Endless sent you a message. And he's like, but he's not my boss. He can't tell me what to do. And she's like, he didn't send you an order. He sent you a message. And he's like, message? He said, the funeral is tomorrow and the wake is tonight. He's like, I heard you. Go away. So, like, uh, Matthew taking it hard. Um, It's interesting here, of course, you know, we've seen Eve before at the cave. Um, Obviously, the way that she's lit in these scenes, (laughs) most of the time she looks very old. And there's a couple times where they do close-ups on her where she looks very young or younger, if you will. Whether that's intentional or not, or maybe I'm reading too much into the art choices being made here. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so, you know, now, uh, the destiny's leading the, you know, the endless away from the necropolis and we're cutting to various people like Nuala, who's, you know, running from going from realm to realm in her time. And she can't control, uh, her, her eyes. She's, they're starting to close and she starts to dream. Um, and then Rose who's in her uh, mother's house and she sits by the old doll house, which is a nod to the doll's house issues. I, I find that interesting. And she ends up nodding off. And then there's Richard uh, Maddock who had the muse who's, who's like his head for the first time in half a decade. Isn't filled with all the ideas for a story. So he's kind of like Alex Burgess since Morpheus is dead. His curse uh, is kind of lifted and I like that he has the gloves on because his fingers were worn down to the nub because he was writing all the ideas on the wall. And he starts to dream. And, you know, uh, da- uh, Daniel slash Dream is back to work in his castle and he ends up recreating Mervyn Pumpkinhead. And I like that when he creates them, his just thing is like, what are you looking at? And it's like time to get back to work for him. Uh Lyda Hall is on the run. She's cleared out her bank account, but she's not sure what she's running from. And she's in a cheap motel and she starts to dream. Um, Alex Burgess, who's been asleep for like half a decade or however long, uh, he's just clutching the ring that Rose gave him. And he's like, I 
And I just want to point out, you know, you mentioned he's been asleep for half a decade. Of course, he's the child of the person who trapped Morpheus at the beginning of issue one. And they have the line here that says he has slept for the last five years. He wishes he could stay awake forever. He cannot. Mm -hmm. Uh, He starts to dream. And then there's a hob starts to dream. And he's talking about like thinking of building a new identity. Uh, desire to get away, you know, the trouble with six centuries of travel. He ponders there are too few places he hasn't been. He wants to go somewhere, not to return from somewhere. Well, he's going to go someplace he's never been because he, well, that he, he starts to dream also. So dream now is starting to bring back uh, Fiddler's Green, Gilbert. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm bringing you back to life. He's like, no. It's like, I died. And I, you know, I, I died under unpleasant circumstances and uh if you bring me back my life my life will have no meaning like my death will have no meaning i was a good place i like that he doesn't say he's a good person he's a good place um i had a good life and it ended would you take that away from me um he's like i just want to let you live he's like i understand what you're offering me uh but i'm declining he's like i see i think very well um so now, like the this people- is so this is dream the new dream, you know. Obviously, uh, Abel comes in very boisterous. They bring Cain back, and he does. Mm-hmm. So Morpheus, assumedly, is going through all the people that perished from the dreaming in the ba- battle with the kindly ones, and it's more or less him just saying, "Well, Abel told me to do this. this. Is what I should do. I should bring these people back." Obviously, he gets no pushback. From Mervyn Pumpkinhead, who is a much more boisterous, probably didn't even realize he was gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Who's not going to say, like, no, I died a noble death. You know, he's a worker. He needs to go and do what he needs to do. And obviously we get this thing with Fiddler's Green. It's more or less of, like, okay, well, this is the mess that I've been left with, and I guess I have to fix it. And this is, we're seeing Daniel learn what he should or shouldn't do. And everything's not as easy as a checklist to go down and say, this is next, and this is next, and this is next, and this is next sort of thing. Yeah. This dream is a bit more naive. Even more naive than Morpheus was at times. Yes. Um, so, you know, queen of fairies, she's heading to the dreaming. Like, now the people who don't need to fall asleep to go to the dreaming, the two angels. And uh, I like that they're like a, the angel Duma, who is not exactly fallen, more toppled perhaps even tumbled, uh, invokes uh, the door to the dreaming. And Duma's feet may or may not quite touch the ground. Uh, I just like the whole description of tumbled more than fell. Uh, then Bast, who's the queen, the Egyptian queen uh, of cats, kind of does another moment where somebody, she's she's touching the, the last remnants of power. Somebody sees a cat and thinks they're godlike. So that gives her the energy to go to the dreaming. And now the characters, uh, the the mortal ones that we kind of see get there. And I do like how they see themselves in the dreams. Like most of them kind of see them the way they are. But Alex sees himself still as the little boy. And Hob is dressed in the clothes from all those years ago. He's not dressed in modern day garb. And they're all trying to figure out what's going on. And Bass says, we're here for the funeral of the King of Dreams. And Hob's like, dream king you know he's dead he's like and he goes nuts on the centaur when he's like yes he's dead uh and he's like you have to be lying um and they're kind of just trying to suss it out to to hob and he's kind of 
maybe accepting it, but he's like, he can't be dead because he's my friend, one of the few true friends that Morpheus has. And then he's like, but who are they? And he points up in the sky kind of a deal. And they're like, them? There is family. Next, in which a wake is held, Joe. Right. And, and, and as we see the five members of the Endless that are here, of course, uh, Destiny holding the book, um, Despair, nothing. And it appears as though uh, Dream, or Dream, uh, Death and Desire have something in their hands. Bricks, blocks, something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so this storyline, not as familiar as readily available in my head as the kindly ones was not Mm -hmm. to take anything away from it. Um, but yeah, this is more or less just, we're, we're, we're pulling all the pieces back. Everyone that Morpheus has affected directly over the last 70 issues are all invited to the wake, whether they want to be here or not. Right. Yeah. I just got goosebumps, Joe. Um, yeah. And I'm doing this in the most lovingly way possible. In the wake, Joe, all the stars are here, Joe. Yes, all the stars. Are, we, if you know, it doesn't spoil anything. You're gonna get everybody who's made a minute appearance in this book. Michael Zuli is gonna do such heavy lifting in this; it's ridiculous. And the shots of death and uh, the end, everything, everything. This is. The most, like, I don't know, like, detailed art Sandman has ever seen. Like, there's been a lot of great artists, but this is so in-depth in the detail. It's ridiculous. Right. I I feel as though a story, if you've read this far, a story of this weight, this magnitude, needs to look like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether the word you say is classic, whether the word you say is classy, whether the word you say is pure okay and there's still a darkness to it all michael zuli is able to pull that isn't michael zuli mostly known for like a painted art style yes right so to to see michael zuli do his normal painted style as pencil because this is not painted this is pen and paper one would assume yes because at the time he was doing around this time no, he it was, it was before this. He did. Uh, give me a second. He did that Alice Cooper comic that came out with the uh, album that he had with Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, and that's how he ended up getting this gig. And the art looks exactly like this because I own a page, um, <laughs> and it's 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 all pen and ink, pencil yeah. and ink. So that's what he's doing with this. So it's always interesting to see an artist that works primarily in paints work in a pen and paper style and vice versa. Um, you know, you could still see it there and it just adds a little bit something extra, a little bit something different to it when it's not the medium that they're most known for. Um, but I'm, I'm, ex- and again, I'm as, I'm as excited as you could be to read the death of a character that we have been following, let alone these last 30 plus years, but let alone these last nine and a half months to get to yep. this point. And I may be a shambling mess by the end of the week. Well, this is we, one of those comics that, re- <laughs> like, a couple of times, has, I think I brought this up. If I have, I'm sorry. But it has affected me more than any other comic that I've ever read. And the couple of things that I said affected me. But the last couple of pages to the wake, 
shake me to my core every time I read them. Not in a bad way, just like knowing that it's over, if that makes any sense. Like we are in the end run, two issues left, and Sandman is done. Affects me every time. Well, we still got at least three weeks of the main story, right? Right. Next week we're looking. Right. Next week we got issues seventy-one and seventy-two. After that, we got 73, 74, and then I think we're doing, if I have, if I'm looking at the schedule correctly, we're doing 75 all by itself, because I think it's a bigger issue, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, yes, yes. Um, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I would say, when I say the end of the week, I know there's oh, oh, a single issue afterwards. It's the one, bef- it's next week that really, really gets me. I know that for a fact, but all I'm right. looking forward to it, because uh, I've read you- it ahead four times. <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to read ahead. As I mentioned in After Dark this week, I was picking up on some of the other stuff while it was uh, ailing at home, yes, right? right. Uh, so, hey, uh, while you're over, again, longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, go check out our store. You can get shirts and pins and stickers. Just shoot me an email, and we'll uh, work out a deal. There's no tea public sale this weekend. I think that's coming up next weekend. We'll talk about that then. Hey, I hope you remember to do your ESPN pigskin pick picks. I know I did. I don't have to worry about it until the end of the season. No, you don't. And you're doing pretty good, Joe. Uh, for someone who doesn't care or know anything about football, I'm in third place. You how got, are you doing, Todd? You get you got lucky early. We'll see how it holds out. Um, I have to look. I forget how many people are in the group. Uh, <laughs> I have to count them. Um, I'm tied for eighth, but I'm really like fourth. You know what I mean? Because it's weird. We'll see. Uh-huh. You know how it is, but. Well, listen, it's it. There's no history that bears out of me taking an insurmountable lead and then just peeing it all away at the end. Uh, I was wondering what word you were going to use, but yeah, uh, I took a I took a break there so you could fill in the word yourself, and then I would say the Pee. clean version of it, right? Yep. yep. Uh, so don't forget to do your picks. Todd's doing a good job sending out some tweets to remind you, uh, usually Thursday afternoon, because um, there are Thursday night games, and once that Thursday night game rolls out, you're going to miss one pick, and you don't want to miss one pick. Don't make any miss any picks. Beat me if you can. Survive uh, eventually. As I always say, who doesn't want to beat Joe? That's right. Join the, join the club. Right. Uh, but if you want to Make me, oh, if you really want to get my goat, <laughs> sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash longboxheroes. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. One is Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Everyone has September 1993 in their feeds. And the other uh, the other show that we do is Comic Book Oddities, where we look at some of the lesser-known, maybe maligned, pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe films um, that have come out every time that they have tried to capitalize on a movie or a TV show in regards to a comic book property, and it is done poorly. Uh, this month... We did uh, the 1990 Captain America movie. And uh, the movie was bad, but the podcast was good. How about that? Yes. And I think that was as equally good as the movie was bad. Yes. Uh, So the folks at the $5 level got that already. Everybody else will be getting that in about a week or so. Um, Also at the $5 level, you're going to get After Dark Two Days, 
before everyone else so you can listen to these shows weekly in the correct listening order and no matter what patreon level that you're at you're going to get those full scans of the previews catalog that we talk about on previewing the past and listen the pre not everyone has a lot of time for podcasts these days i get it you got an hour and a half hour 45 of this you got a half hour of after dark uh weekly as well i'm sure you listen to other podcasts in the soon to be named network and elsewhere listen i don't kid myself i listen to tons of podcasts myself and sometimes those previewing the past get to upwards to four hours each, right? Mm-hmm. But take a day one time. Go look through a previews catalog. Hey, I remember September 1992 when Death of Superman happened. Look through that previews catalog just to see what else was going on in the world of comics. Walk down that memory lane visually. And those previewing the past episodes are evergreen for the most part. You can listen to them at any time. Go back to the entire catalog. It's there for your listening pleasure, your viewing pleasure, a dollar a month, five dollars a month, however much you want to give us. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. And of course, you could also support us by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. This page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use this affiliate any this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything and help us out at the same time. And Todd, I'll let you know. I know we get paid out on a weird schedule with this. Uh, we did better than at odds in August, and we're doing better than at odds in uh, September. Yep, and it's so big I forget to put out the cha-ching when you send it to me. I know uh, you barely notice it. Right. Yep. It trickles in. <laughs> it's trickled down. You it's, know, click it's, Listen, it's very much like uh, Gene Simmons says, nickels and pennies, nickels and pennies. They all add up at the end of the day, right? Right, right. You don't let anything go. Nope. Uh, So let's get into some spoiler-filled talk of the latest uh, episode of Ahsoka. Yep. Um, So I want to preface this and say I like the show, okay? And I like Star Wars, right? But when Star Wars focuses on the stuff that I'm unfamiliar with, and that's the Rebels and the Clone Wars animated series, or it focuses on the things that maybe I don't like from Star Wars, like stuff from the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't like it so much. Put those hands together, Joe. <laughs> so this episode entitled Shadow Warrior has a lot to do with Ahsoka floating in the water. Would you say she's a soaking in the water, Todd? Yep. She's a has super it, Ahsoka. Has anyone made that joke? No, no, you're okay. the first. Thank you. And apparently she's having like a concussion induced something. I think it's metachlorine induced. The chlorine, the metachlorine in the water. Joke. I put the test strip in to see if you need to put some baking soda in there to yeah, even out the balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's having a whole thing with her Jedi Master, which is Anakin, right? Sure, I'll take your word for it. And we get a bunch of flashbacks to different times in the Clone Wars where she was just a little kid and she was sad. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Did you, Todd? <laughs> yeah. Did you know my favorite part of Star Wars is where they take someone who's cool and they show us when they were a little kid and sad? <laughs> oh, are you going to tell me about Angelina Jolie next? 
doffing my John Cena cap to Patton Oswald. Yeah. Um, but while all this is going on, um, who's who's the boy? Jason. We find yeah. out that his dad was the Jedi Knight, whose name I didn't write down. Right, and he's dead. And he's dead anyway, so it don't matter. Uh, and Sindula is trying to like delay the Galactic Republic folks from showing up mm-hmm. while they're trying to find both uh, Ahsoka and Sabine. They think they're both together, and we do get the we do get the one good bit. I'll give you the one good bit that we get with uh, a Yang, where he's holding the Boba Fett helmet, and he says, "He goes, I always tell them to stay together, and they never listen." You that know? is a that you know what I'm not even I'm not even going to get into the chopper Hyung battle that we always get Hyung's better, um, but the bit like you said. David Tennant is a good actor, a great actor. And when he does that, and he he set up the groundwork in the last episode where he tell he tells them it, and they and I didn't get to say it last week, and they separate, and he just he's standing on the on the edge of the cliff. I'm like, that is my favorite scene in the in the like. It just conveys the failure that they had in this whole situation so yeah. so well. So uh, Jason, he has powers. He hears the force battle that's going on inside Ahsoka's head in the waves of the water. So he tells Syndulla and the rest of her crew, uh, gives coordinates that Chopper found. Thanks, Chopper, by the way. Sassy robot. Hero of the episode, thank you. Um, He's the one who got the coordinates. Um, Tells them to go lower. They end up finding Ahsoka. They come up and they're like, oh, well, Ahsoka's here. We found her. She says, Sabine and I got separated. They find the little maze ball that got split in half. But that's okay, because we're all Force-sensitive, and Sabine left an impression on it. So Ahsoka stands around for a little bit, and she gets to hear what happened at the end of the previous episode that we all saw. Yep. Uh, So based on that information, she decides to go get swallowed by the space whales, so they can take her, take them to her. She will. Hey, it worked for Pinocchio. It'll yeah. work for Ahsoka. Space Pinocchio. All right. And it's this the episode, this, it's this the episode was good. Uh, uh, again, I don't care about Rebels. I don't care about Clone Wars. I ain't gonna watch no. I'm gonna watch those cartoons now. The ship has sailed on those sort of things. Mm. Um, Hayden Christensen as Anakin has a weird voice, and I don't like it. It's because he's older. Uh, I don't like it. It just sounds weird. And then the two different times where they did the bit as he's walking and he flashes between being Anakin and being Darth Vader. You didn't like that? Yeah, those were things that happened in the show. I like the one where he's walking away. That one was really cool. Um, as far as I'm concerned, but I'll say this, I'm with you. I didn't watch rebels. I didn't watch clone wars. I didn't like all the other stuff you got yelled at for not knowing. Um, but uh, because I'm watching it, and they're like, oh, hey, it's, it's it's little Ahsoka, and she's called Snip. I don't know why she's called Snip. They never tell me why she's called Snip. Do I have to go back and watch those episodes? Yes. I know why she's called Snip. And anybody who wants to send me why they call her Snip, save your time. Don't care. Just I'm going to watch the rest of this episode. But it was like, are these real scenes that happened in these shows, or these scenes that like that are new, but ha- like we know where they're... T- it's all things I don't understand, so let's just move on to the yep. purple and yep. let's go. 
Uh, so it was an all right episode because I don't have the knowledge, you know? Right. And, and like I said, I'm sure if you watch those shows, this was a great fan service moment for you. And listen, I got no problem with fan service. Mm-hmm. What if I don't know what it's servicing, I can't be a fan of it, I guess. I don't know. Yep. Yep. I agree. But I'm still watching. How many? Well, we got two episodes left. One episode left. Yeah. Seven, and then we're, yeah. Seven and then episodes what is left. I don't know. Right, and then we almost slide right back, slide right into a Loki, don't we? Isn't that like October sixth? Um, what is the date of Loki? Oh, I got heat with Loki. Yeah, October sixth. So I don't know how many episodes we don't have many left of Ahsoka. Then how many episodes do we got? Uh, let me look here. Excuse me while I check this out. Uh, I have eight, according to Wikipedia, yes. and the last one's on October 3rd, so then we go t- three days later into Loki. There so you we go. we might have a double double show then. Well, we might have mm-hmm. two shows for one week. Boy, that's going to be a busy week of recording, huh? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. Oh, boy, I'm going that soon on vacation. Anyway. Um, Can't wait to get ready. Uh, what? I mean, can't wait for you to go out there and have a good time, I meant to say. There you go. All right. Well, thank you. I hope you listeners had a good time listening to us this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed us enjoying all the things in the world of comics. Uh, For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 676 of Longbox Heroes. And we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.